Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, beginning at verse 31. Jesus left the region of Tyre again and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of the Decapolis. They brought a man to him who was deaf and had a speech impediment. They pleaded with Jesus to place his hand on him. Jesus took him aside in private away from the crowd. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. After he looked up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephetha, which means be opened. Immediately the man's ears were opened, his tongue was set free, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus gave the people strict orders to tell no one, but the more he did so, the more they kept proclaiming it. They were amazed beyond measure and said, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Your fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, the one who has done everything well. The crowd did something pretty remarkable in our text this morning, didn't they? Something that, I don't know, when, when the last time I saw it happen in our country in 21st century America, you know what's remarkable? They agreed on something. They all agreed. They came to consensus that this Jesus guy, you know what? He does everything and he does it well. He, he's a pretty good guy. He does it all right. Is that the consensus that you get the sense is out there in our world today? Or is it just the opposite, that Jesus doesn't do anything well? He doesn't do anything beneficial for our world, and and the best thing we can really do with him is get him out of our world, get him out of the the public square, out of the public arena. Whenever there's a a natural disaster or a terrorist attack or something like that, people are always saying, I could never believe in a God who would allow something so wicked to happen. Jesus' doctrines, the things he taught, they're viewed as at best dated and need to be updated. At worst, they're seen as bigoted and discriminatory and need to be thrown out altogether. Those who follow Jesus, us, we're called bigots and racists and sexists and accused of being stuck decades in the past. Now, we should not be surprised by the world's reaction to Jesus and to the gospel and to us as Christians. Jesus said, this is how it's going to be. If, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. But I think there is a deeper issue that maybe we face is when we start to go along with that view that Jesus doesn't really do everything well when we as believers seem to always be struggling and suffering, and we see our unbelieving neighbors and they're thriving and they're happy and they don't seem to be suffering nearly as much as we are, when we pray and pray and pray for our loved ones and nothing seems to get any better, when we ourselves are suffering, whatever it may be, whatever disease, heart attack, stroke, losing a child, any of those things, it can cause us to, to go along with the devil's lie that God isn't really good, that Jesus isn't really good. In fact, that's one of the devil's oldest lies, isn't it? With Eve already in the Garden of Eden, the devil tried to convince her, God isn't really good. He doesn't have 
your best intentions at heart. He's holding out on you. And because we face that temptation so frequently, it's important that our our faith be strengthened. And, And Jesus does that today with this miracle. And he does it with his word. One word, one Aramaic word, ephetha, which means be open. Now, the first thing that we should say about this miracle may seem to you to be so obvious that it doesn't even need to be said, but I, I, I think it does. This miracle actually happened. Jesus actually came into the region of Decapolis. It was on the other side of the Jordan River, a, a Gentile region, uh, and he actually healed someone who was deaf and who had some sort of speech impediment. He actually took him aside by himself And he put his fingers in his ears and his his spit and his finger on his tongue and he healed him instantly. Unlike any medical procedure that you have today where it takes months or weeks to heal, instantly he was made well again. This actually happened. This is a factual historical incident. And just that tells us quite a bit about our God, doesn't it? Contrary to what many believe, that that God is some distant, disinterested, alien type of being who doesn't really care about individual human beings. Here is God on earth, and he is is right up in the face of someone who is suffering from the effects of sin. He is personally involved in this man's life, and that tells you something, that, that Jesus cares about you personally. He knows your struggles. He knows your woes. He knows how you're suffering. He knows even better than we do that from the moment you're born into this world, all you face is really a life of futility and then death. Jesus knows that, and he has compassion on us in our misery. The second thing it teaches us is that Jesus is who he claimed to be. He is the Messiah, right? He he did exactly what Isaiah said the Messiah would do. The eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unplugged. The crippled will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Jesus is who he claimed to be. He's, he, he, he's putting all the pieces of the puzzle that were laid out in the Old Testament. Jesus is that puzzle put all together. The third thing it teaches us, and I don't know if you've caught, picked up on this through our study of Mark this year, uh, Mark is very interested in talking about the kingdom of God. He's, he's probably writing to Gentiles, probably to Romans, including some Roman soldiers, and they were very impressed with, with power, right? With, with the reign of a, a general or a commander or an emperor. And so Mark is very interested in talking about the, the kingdom of God. And right here we see the kingdom of God on earth. Here is Jesus bringing a little bit of heaven to earth for this man because where Jesus is, where the kingdom of God is, there the the sin and the effects of sin have to go away. And so in the case of this man, the deafness and the muteness that were caused by sin, they have to flee from Jesus' presence. We get a little, it's like a little snapshot of what heaven is going to be like for us. So all in all, this miracle is a very positive thing, right? It's... It's kind of a a snapshot of the gospel in a sense that tells us, assures us, with a a very real incident, God does care about you. He sees what you're going through, and he sent Jesus to heal you and to save you. That's a very positive message. That That is the gospel that the church has been called to proclaim to the world. 
We have to be sure that that is the message we're proclaiming. It's so easy to fall into to one of two ditches. You know, there's, there's the ditch of becoming like strict fundamentalists. And then the world finds us as an easy target if we are bigoted, if we are sexist, if we do come across as homophobic or transphobic or any of the other phobics that are out there. That is not what Christ has called the church to be or to do. That is not our message. On the other side, though, is liberalism. And that is where, where you soften or distort or, or just ignore God's holy will and his holy law. And we must not do that either. We can't fall into either of those two ditches. We, we proclaim a middle ground, a universal law and a universal gospel, summarized so well by the Apostle Paul when he says, and he's looking at the world, there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, that is our message to proclaim. Neither are we here as a church to heal all of the world's woes. We can't do that. Churches have been trying ever since Christ left this earth to heal the woes of the world. We can't. If there is any picture of what the church should be doing in this miracle story, it's to be like this deaf and mute man's friends and bringing people to the one who can actually Heal them. Ours is a very positive message, one of healing and salvation and reconciliation between God and man. But you know as well as I do that it's often pretty hard to keep that truth front and center when you are suffering. When you pray and you pray and you pray and nothing seems to change. I think sometimes even reading an account like this can tend to make us a little bit cold and cynical, right? If Jesus could, could heal this guy, who, who maybe wasn't even an unbeliever at the time, why can't he heal me? I've been a Christian ever since my parents took me to the baptismal font. Why doesn't Jesus take care of me and heal me like he did this man? Just remember that Jesus didn't heal everyone. There were lots of deaf people, lots of mute people, lots of blind people, lots of beggars, lots of lame people that Jesus didn't heal. And even for people like this man who Jesus did heal, what ended up happening to them later? They died. They died. So don't read this miracle or any miracle to hear Jesus promising, I'm going to heal whatever ails you. That is, that is a false gospel. That is not what this miracle is all about. Rather, the, the physical reality of this man's healing, like I said, gives us a snapshot of what heaven will be like when there will be nothing wrong. When Jesus will restore, recreate your bodies perfectly, you can throw your glasses and your hearing aids in the garbage, get rid of your canes, none of that will be in heaven. That's, that's what we see here, a little snapshot of what heaven will be like when Jesus restores our bodies to their original perfection. And we know that, we are certain of that, because Jesus healed the underlying disease. He healed the comorbidity that we all are living with of original sin. That was this man's real problem. He was deaf and he was dumb because of original sin. Because he inherited sin from his parents and they from theirs just like we have from ours. And that was the real reason Jesus came. That's why he told them, don't tell anyone. You know, isn't that strange? Can you imagine say a pastor standing in a pulpit today and saying, do not tell anyone about Jesus. 
Why would he say that? Because he didn't want the people to get the wrong idea. The point, the purpose of his mission here was not to just heal temporarily, but to heal once and for all, to heal the root cause of all problems, sin. And he did that. And the crowd's assessment, he does all things well. That's kind of an understatement when it comes to salvation, wouldn't you say? He did everything perfectly. He, he lived a perfectly obedient life. He was a perfectly compassionate teacher and doctor. He offered up his life as the perfect atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. He did all things well. I would say he did all things perfectly. And because he did, because he removed that underlying infection inside of us, we can be sure that when he returns, he will breathe life into our corpses and he will raise us up to bodily life in perfection in heaven. No more glasses, no hearing aids, no walkers, no canes, none of it. You will be perfect. And that's what the physical, the the actual historical fact of this miracle teaches us today. So once we've done that, once we are standing firmly on the facts of Scripture, then we can turn to the the spiritual aspect of it, the, the part that applies more closely to us today. Because Jesus' word here, that Aramaic word, Ephetha, It does more than just open up physical ears and loosen physical lips. It opens up spiritual ears that are deaf and and tongues that are locked up spiritually. We were all born with sin in our hearts. We were all born, in fact, in outright rebellion to the very first commandment. If if you've been here for a baptism and you listen carefully to the words that precede the baptism, then you've heard this. All of us are born into this world with a deep need for baptism. From our parents, we inherit a sinful nature. We are without true fear of God and true faith in God and are condemned to eternal death. By nature, as, as we are born into this world, we ignore God's voice. We don't want to hear. We plug our ears like a little kid who doesn't want to hear what our parents are saying. We are deaf. To the gospel. And not only that, but our tongues are totally turned inward. We want to praise ourselves. We don't want to praise God. And it took an act of God to fix that. It took an act of God at that baptismal font to open our lips, to loosen our tongues, to open up our ears. And the ancient Christian church actually had a very interesting, fascinating way of, of acknowledging that, that it takes an act of God to open our ears and to loosen our tongues. In the early Christian church, especially the 2nd and 3rd centuries, the pastors, when someone was being baptized, they would actually put their fingers into the person's ears and and touch their tongue. And they would look up to heaven and groan, moan like Jesus did to, to show that this is God rolling up his sleeves and going to work on someone. In holy baptism, the Holy Spirit works to open our ears to hear the law and the gospel. He he loosens our tongues so that we may confess our sins, even our darkest sins, so that we may praise God instead of praising ourselves. That's the miracle that that the Lord works at baptism. So, So maybe we don't have a healing like this. Maybe we don't have physical miracles like this, but... When you were taken to that baptismal font, God worked a miracle on you. The fact that you came here this morning on a beautiful Labor Day weekend to confess your sins, the fact that you sing these hymns that, that give all praise to God and none to us, 
is proof that the Holy Spirit has worked this miracle on you. He has opened your ears to hear. He has loosened your tongue to sing the praises of your Lord and Savior. You are proof. You are a miracle. So why does the world hate that message so much? Why doesn't the world want to hear that real healing is possible through these means of grace? Why is the world filled with such hate for, for Christianity in general and, and Christians in particular? And maybe you've, you've faced it in your own life. I'll bring up an example, a recent example. You may have heard that uh, in Texas they passed a, what's called a, a fetal heartbeat bill, which said that after six weeks or, or thereabouts, when a heartbeat is detected, you can no longer have an abortion, which proponents of abortion say will uh, get rid of probably 85% of abortions performed in that state. Last week, the Supreme Court uh, refused to place an injunction on it so that now it is in effect. Once a heartbeat is detected, people and women in Texas can no longer get an abortion. Now, you would think from the reaction that 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 decision and that bill has faced from social media and even the mainstream media, you would think that the the lawmakers had legalized genocide instead of trying to end the longest-running genocide in our world. I was reading a statistic just a couple days ago that said roughly half of the deaths in our world are caused by abortion. Why is there such hatred? I know that's not a specifically narrowly Christian issue, but certainly Christians were proponents of it. I would have to believe that many of those lawmakers are Christians. Why is there such vitriol for human life, for God's gift of life? Why such hatred? Martin Luther wrote a sermon on this very text, and and he explains what's really going on there. He says, they are a thousand times worse off than this poor deaf and dumb man, for they have ears that are really stopped up. They hear God's word, and yet they really don't hear it, nor do they want to. Our Lord Christ preached beautiful sermons concerning the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life, but they became mad and furious, not only refusing to listen, but also reviling him on top of it. Today, people who refuse to hear God's word are altogether deaf and dumb, Worse off than this poor man here because their tongues know only how to revile God and to speak very evilly of his word, the most precious treasure. Those, however, who hear God's word gladly and to whom Christ says as to the deaf man Ephetha or be opened, these are the ones helped against the devil. They're deaf. They're deaf and they're dumb. And they don't see what the Lord is really all about, that he came into this world to bring mercy and healing and salvation and not judgment and not hatred and not bigotry. But they're deaf and they're dumb and they're blind to it and so they hate the Lord, they hate you with all their souls. And it's painful, isn't it? It's painful to watch our world despise our Savior when when we know deep down in our hearts that He only does what is good. He only does what is best for us. So what's the solution? Well, the solution is not to try to pass laws that that prohibit abortion. I mean, I don't know if that one in Texas is going to stand or not. It probably won't. The, The solution is not to try to change society. Again, Christ didn't commission his church to to be political activists or social activists or social justice warriors. 
That's not how the church changes the world. We change the world one heart at a time through the means of grace, through the gospel. We bring one baby at a time up here to be cleansed of their sin and to have their mouth opened and their ears unstopped. One heart at a time. And that's why we pray, we hope that abortion will go away. So that one heart at a time they can be brought here to be brought to God and into the kingdom of God. That's how we're going to change the world. One heart at a time. When Jesus Himself comes to work here on us and says, Ephetha, let your ears be opened and your tongue loosened to speak my praises. The list of things that are wrong in our world and probably in your lives is very long. It's longer than just deafness or dumbness. There's so much wrong in our world. But Jesus is the one who came to make things right. I know when things go wrong in your life, the devil is whispering in your ear, see, Jesus doesn't care about you. He can't do anything, much less do anything well. But remember this miracle when that happens. Remember that word, Ephetha. That miracle has been performed on you. This miracle is proof that Jesus will return and He will restore you to perfection, physical perfection, when He returns. But more importantly right now, rejoice that, that this miracle has been performed on you by God Himself, that your ears have been opened to hear the Gospel and believe it, and that your tongue has been loosened to confess and to sing the glorious news that Jesus does everything well. Amen.